Blog Talk Radio. Radio. I am Caroline Chang, your host. The mission of Awake to Oneness Radio is to inspire the world to awaken to the universal truth of oneness. Science and spirituality are both telling us that we are all connected, that we are all one. So what you do to another person, you are literally doing to another aspect of yourself. And when the world awakens to this universal truth of oneness, there will be peace on earth. Today's topic is Radical Gratitude with Will Pye. Will is a spiritual teacher and author of Blessed with a Brain Tumor. He has an amazing life experience to share with our listeners. Welcome, Will, to Awake to Oneness Radio. It's great to be here, Caroline. Thank you for having me. Thank you so, so much. One thing I love about Internet radio and podcasting, it is global. And I'm having more and more guests that are calling from internationally. Will is now located in the U.K., and because of the time difference, we are pre-recording this show. Uh, we actually had scheduled the pre-record the show yesterday. Um, in the U.S., we changed to daylight savings time last Sunday. And in the U.K., they're not on daylight savings time, which I did not know that until yesterday. But they say we, you learn something new every day. So uh, I, I learned yesterday that the world does not change to daylight savings time on the same day. <laughs> but welcome, Will. I am so glad we connected today. Uh, now we are four hours difference, and in a week or so we will be five hours difference. So how are you this uh, It's morning here, afternoon there. How are you today? I'm doing wonderfully well, Caroline. Yeah, it's really good to be here in in this moment with you. Thank you. Yes, in this moment. Even though we know time is an illusion, but when we're trying to connect, we have to <laughs> we have to get that time correct so we can be Absolutely. in the now together. <laughs> uh-huh. So, Will, could you please share with our listeners um, your journey, your story? You have an amazing. Um, life experience to share. Um, so please share with our listeners uh, your journey. Sure. Where, where would you like me to start? I'd like you to start wherever you would like to start. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I guess my uh, where to start the story, it's always an interesting thing where to start the life story or where to start the biography because uh, everything is one continuous experience and where where was the beginning of the spiritual search or where was the beginning of the awakening or um i guess what i would say is what's brought me here to being in conversation with you now is i think two things caroline two two driving forces one of them 
was suffering, and the other one was truth. Desire to know the truth. And well, can you re- can you repeat that? Um, I didn't hear that clearly. Your mic went out for a second. So the the two driving forces in my life have been suffering, a, a mm-hmm. desire to escape suffering, a desire to transform my own experience. So that would be the push, I guess. And then the, the, the pull, there was this, from quite a young age, a hunger to know the truth, mm-hmm. to know for myself what all this was about. You know, is there a God? If there is a God, what is God? Who am I? Why am I here? All, all these big questions. And from a young age, I recall being fascinated by this and really imagining, in particular, a particular obsession. Maybe obsession is too strong a word, but a very strong curiosity in my early years, in my childhood, was trying to imagine what death was. <laughs> I remember just being fascinated. Like, what? how, how does this end? Mm-hmm. How does this cease to be? And I recall uh, struggling to imagine with the mind what it would be to not be, what it mm-hmm. would be to cease. And I, I mentioned that because I, later on in life, I, I came back to a clarity as to the nature of life and therefore the nature of of death. Mm-hmm. But that's a little bit along in the story. Certainly in those early years, it was just one of those big questions that I pondered very deeply. And I had a wonderful upbringing. I was very lucky with beautiful, loving parents and got to play outside in a beautiful little uh, village in Hertfordshire in the UK. We're about 45 minutes north of London. And yeah, really, really blessed and beautiful childhood. The spring that I uh, I'm that losing you. I'm losing you again. Audio. Um, what's uh, are you still there? I'm still here. Yeah. Can you hear okay. me okay now? Yes. If for some reason occasionally the, your mic will go in and out. Okay, but I'm mm-hmm. hearing you. I'm hearing you clearly now. Okay. Great. Well, let's uh, let's let's pray to the internet gods and. Uh, <laughs> <It's> very true. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll trust that's going to take care of itself. The uh, suffering that has been such a driving, uh, shaping force in my experience of life, as for many people, began in my teens. My parents went through a divorce, and that was very troubling. And However, it wasn't really until my early 20s. I, I kind of thought I knew what depression was. And then in my early 20s, I had an experience of such an intense depression that I realized my dismissal of depression previously was, was a real arrogance. And it was quite debilitating. And this deepened my desire to understand um, the nature of this experience and who I, who I am and what the mind is and so on. And I realized in the, in my early 20s, I was by this point out in New Zealand. I'd uh, gone traveling and enjoyed living in Australia for a while and then went over to New Zealand. 
And New Zealand was really a place of rebirth and, and the beginning of the spiritual search, if you like, or the spiritual quest in in earnest. So I was in this suffering, in this despair, in this hopelessness, really questioning why I was on the planet, what the point of it all was. I was relatively successful, but really not happy. From that despair, there was an intense movement in action, in inquiry, in exploration, and I began to read a lot of spiritual texts. I began to meditate a lot. I began to practice yoga and change my diet. I became a vegetarian. I began to practice karate and uh at what age? At what age did you start this? This was around 21 to 22. Yeah. I'm not so good with numbers and age and dates, but when I was in New Zealand, it was, it was 21, 22. You know, I'd left university and was uh, a, a, a year or two into this traveling experience and living on the other side of the world. And yeah, so 21 or 22. And like many people, I made really quick progress in that first six months of, of meditating and, and changing how I was living reality. And I began to learn a bit more about what I am and about what sort of power we have in our mind, in our attention, in intention as well. Something quite significant happened as well in that for the first time in my life, I asked for help. So until then, I had been vigorously independent and I could do everything by myself and yet such was the despair that I sought help and I got counseling and some very kind wise people came into my life and I, so not only did I ask for help but I discovered that when we do ask for help it's available that life will actually present us with people to facilitate our next a stage of evolution or development. And that's just become more and more and more true in more beautiful ways as that quest has continued and life has continued to unfold. And I stayed in New Zealand. Next, The next experience that comes to mind that was really a big part of my spiritual unfolding and a, and a, a big uh, moment, I was been a couple of years later uh -huh. I would have been 20 24 now I think maybe 25 and I was back in this despair again this this existential dissatisfaction with being I was I was doing well in in my professional life I was um, successful in all outward ways and and yet there was still this persistent nagging despair or heaviness in my experience much had been learned much had evolved and grown and, and yet here there was another roadblock it seemed and I recall this one evening I was now in Melbourne in Australia a wonderful city and I heard about a Zen teacher a Zen master a guy called Junpo Dennis Kelly Roshi and I kind of liked the sound of this guy. I'd read an interview with him in the magazine. And my, my friend, I know him at the time, he 
he said had come for him, was organising this tour that Junpo was doing in Australia. And this evening he was coming to give a talk, and I'd scheduled to go along, I'd intended to go along, and I nearly didn't. On, on, on the way there, I was thinking, yeah, I may, I may just go to a bar and have a glass of wine instead. I'm not sure if I'm really in the mood for seeing this Zen master. You know, what's, what's, what's he going to say sort of thing. But something took me to this meeting nonetheless. And I remember I turned up and I, I was in this sort of contracted mood, not, not in a good mood, pretty self-involved, caught up in the mind's thinking and this Zen master walks in, and within a couple of minutes of him walking into the room, I experienced an altered experience of being. Now, this altered experience of being, it wasn't new. It wasn't new in relation to what I had been feeling. I mean, I could recognize it as, ah, yes. This, this spaciousness, this peace, this clarity, this lightness. And all this before I'd really recognized what he was even saying. It was just in those first couple of minutes. And during the talk, he spoke about how when a Zen teacher or a Buddhist teacher gives a Dharma talk, as they call it, they will... The idea is that they speak to the Buddha at the back of the room. In a, in a Dharma hall, traditionally there would be a Buddha statue at the back of the room. And Junpo explained that what happens in these talks, the idea is that, excuse the interruption in the background for a moment there. <laughs> That's okay, cell phones. We're the, in that age. <laughs> in, indeed. The idea being with the Buddha the back of the room the Zen master or the teacher addresses that Buddha rather than the people the idea being that that is symbolic of representative of the Buddha nature mm-hmm. the oneness we could say of the Zen master speaking to the oneness speaking to the Buddha nature of those that are present listening to the Dharma talk and I remember that that struck in my mind. It stuck in my mind because that was kind of how I experienced it. He, he uh, there was a transmission of sorts, and there was a a remembrance of what I am. Mm-hmm. And it, in that moment, I thought, I want what that guy's got. That is of such use to be able to walk into a room and affect the the consciousness of other people simply by the power of your own presence and intention. You know, I'd been working in fundraising, raising money for charities, and very happily having a positive impact on the world. And here I recognized there was something on a very deep and fundamental level where transformation and change could be affected. So soon after I found myself, I couldn't actually make the retreat in Australia that he was giving, but I soon after was on a plane to the U.S. attending the next retreat he was giving in in the U.S. And I continued to work with Junpo and uh, his Hollow Bones order and Mondo Zen, a particular form of Zen that integrates emotional inquiry with 
zazen, with meditation, with the usual forms of zen. Uh, for a number of years and, and, and continued to attend the occasional retreat and have great gratitude for Junpo and the effect he had on me that day. Mm-hmm. So, uh, your, uh, how I actually um, found you on Facebook was your uh, group called Radical Gratitude. And uh-huh. that just the name of the the name of the group is what drew me to the group because I've been personally I've been practicing keeping um an appreciation a gratefulness journal um pretty much daily since uh 2010 mm-hmm. and I try to first thing in the morning go through all the things and write them down I like to write it down um uh-huh what I'm grateful for. So I stay focused throughout my day in every moment on all of my many blessings because we are we are all truly blessed. But, um, you know, uh, people tend not to focus on the little blessings. Uh, it's a beautiful day outside. Take a walk in nature. Just, mm-hmm. you know, smell the... Smell the roses, as they say, you know, truly, and and appreciate what all the beauty that is surrounding us in every moment. So share Absolutely. with um, yes, share with our listeners um, that that presence of radical gratitude in each moment, and how that helped you when you were faced with some difficulties. Sure. So. Gratitude, it's funny hearing you mention that, Caroline, radical gratitude in particular. I'm writing radical gratitude each morning these days. So there's a combination of my experience of gratitude for waking up and the experience of appreciation for writing this this book, my second book. And Mm -hmm. radical gratitude, it came into my life. I didn't call it radical gratitude in those uh, moments. But it came into my life around that time that I was speaking of in the mid-20s. It it arose when this suffering, this pain inside became too much. And all my attempts to escape it, to not feel the pain, had been ineffective. It kept on coming back. It kept on wanting to be felt. And I'd been practicing gratitude as a daily practice as you as you speak of and so I was familiar with the we could say the energy or the frequency of I was familiar with that posture energetic and the intuition came to for a change rather than push away the pain to actually welcome it and say thank you mm. to welcome this suffering into my experience and say thank you and that was really a pivotal moment of loosening and opening and awakening. And you mentioned, you refer to the events that happened. I was uh, 31, so fast-forwarding a few years. And yeah, life, life was good. I now have my own business, and life was good. And again, I wasn't, wasn't as fulfilled as I could be. And one day I was running on the treadmill in the gym to get fit, and uh, experienced a grand mal seizure. And a few hours later, I was being informed by the neurosurgeon that I had a brain tumor. And curiously, 
my experience was completely uh, fascination. <laughs> there was no, there was no suffering. There, there was, was no, no panic. No panic whatsoever. Not even any sort of mild stress. It was like just watching a movie, a very interesting movie. It was like, wow, this is a really curious plot twist. I didn't see this coming. I wonder what's going to happen next. You know, this is this is this is interesting. That was the sort of energy, quite light, that came with this uh, this news, and there wasn't uh, any denial. There was there was a, a clarity as to what this might mean, and it was initially thought to be a low grade brain tumor, but when I had surgery several years later, I discovered through the pathology results that it was actually cancerous. And the same peace, the same gratitude for the entirety of experience, the entirety of what had unfolded and was in this moment mm-hmm. was And a, a, a big part of that, a big part of that, and this is really central to understanding how I was blessed with a brain tumor and how that was my experience, was in that first little while after the diagnosis, before I'd had surgery, just in that first few months, I recognized that if I was unwilling to die, if I was unwilling to die, then I had a problem. <laughs> because, of course, a brain tumor diagnosis uh, and indeed a human being diagnosis. You know, if, if we if we're alive, we're going to have to die. So anyone that has a problem with dying has a problem, of course. And I recognised that I needed to become comfortable with death. And so I mentioned earlier how there was this wondering what death is as a child, trying to imagine what death is. And now I had a stronger motivation to really dive into what it in this moment. Uh-huh. And what I discovered in, in this in this persistent sort of thought experiment, in this persistent imagining, was that in dying, in the experience of dying, of me falling away, there is eternal life. There is infinite and eternal being. Okay. And that is what I am. Mm-hmm. And so this had been experienced before, Caroline. There was there were insights, moments of that before, but now it was so full in the experience. It wasn't something that stopped. It wasn't something that started and stopped. It was just like, oh wow, <laughs> I am this presence, this infinite and eternal being. Exactly. Having a human experience, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Exactly. That is so true. What you're saying, um, my you know my journey of of spiritual growth has brought me to that awareness that I don't even use the word death anymore. I use the mm-hmm. word transition because yeah. just like birth is birth is a transition into this uh, existence that we mm-hmm. have chosen, and mm-hmm. um. What people call death is a transition to the next next aspect of life. It's all mm-hmm. life. It's 
eternal life. And it's the other thing that um, helps me on my journey in each moment is knowing at my core that this is something I chose and something I'm creating. I'm creating Mm -hmm. in each moment. So whatever shows up, I own it in the sense I own it. It's like, okay, I created that. And I cre- I know that I created it for a higher purpose. I, I created it for a good purpose, whatever uh-huh. shows up in my life. Um, I'm not sure if you're aware that I lost my only son about a year and a half ago. And um, on the day that he passed, he was in the hospital for several months, but on the day that he passed, uh, there was a sense of peace that came over me. Um, I knew that this was his soul's plan. I knew there was no death. I knew that mm-hmm. he was just um, his soul, his higher self has chosen to go on um, to the other aspect of life and mm-hmm. that he would still be with me. Even I mm-hmm. may not be able to see him physically or speak with him physically. I knew he would still always be with me. Actually, even now that he's in spirit, I know that he's closer to me because he's with me all the time when he was mm-hmm. here in the physical he wasn't with me all the time so mm-hmm. we're actually closer now and i know that it was a, a pre-birth plan on his part and he chose um me to be his mom and he chose not to live a long life but that experience was also to uh, <laughs> you're there okay I'm still here. I'm sorry, it's the house phone. So I, I, uh, oh, it's the house phone. I yeah. see. I'll see if I can disconnect it now. I'll Interest- just uh, reach it- across and do that. <laughs> okay. Interesting ringtone. Uh, but um, I knew um, on the day that he passed, was I, I was at peace because I knew that it was a pre-planned, a, you know, he, we, and we planned this experience together. So I was at peace, um, and so I understand what you mean when you received the news of a brain tumor. It was like, okay, mm, this 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 wasn't uh, on this wasn't what we planned in our human consciousness, but it was a soul plan. Yeah, and that that's such a profound aspect of this experience to become clear on as you have, you know, to really develop that that trust. Right. In what's unfolding. Trust and faith. I just want to apologize to our listeners because we are, are connecting via the internet because of the distance. Uh, international call would just be too expensive. And um, just because of the audio going in and out a little bit, I just wanted to apologize in advance to our listeners. But um, I am hearing you clearly occasionally. It goes in and out, but I'm getting the gist of everything you are saying. So I just wanted to put that apology out to our our listeners. So please um, tell us more on um, your experience with having the brain tumor and then coming to the point where you wrote this the wonderful book, Blessed with a Brain Tumor. Well, I was certainly curious as to how it was 
that the experience was so easy, that it was without suffering, that it was experienced as an opportunity, that it was actually experienced as expansive and in service of my well-being. And so that question was being asked. I was like, you know, why? what's the essence of this? And how can I share that essence with other with others? This this opening into the deathless, this realization of what I am, mm-hmm. is priceless. You know, yeah. it is so true. absolutely priceless, and it seems That's... to want to be shared. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, yes. I I I believe um, going through my experience um, was what. Um, springboard me into what I should be doing, which was starting this radio show to to help inspire others to awaken to the truth of who they really are. Um, and that your experience um, is also uh, the same. You know, we had different experiences, but it brought us kind of to the same conclusion as what we should be doing with our life is sharing it, sharing it to inspire others to awaken to this truth. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a shape of experience, if you like, that I, I encounter very often. Just yesterday, a lady got in contact with me who had experienced a brain tumor diagnosis and had uh, and was now teaching and coaching, having had a very powerful awakening experience. And so it's it's such a such a beautiful thing to consider that the intense times, the challenges, the losses, the griefs, the difficulties have at their core, uh, in, 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 the, in their deepest essence, love. They actually have a, 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 um, our best interests at heart. Yes. And the, the, the mind will, of course, rebel against that very often. If you tell the average person in the street that this is how it is, that may not be well yeah, of course, there is a lot of that lose this, and I experience gratitude. You mentioned the practice, Caroline. I think the practice—it's a way of actually accessing that part of ourselves that is receiving, that is receiving the beauty, the love, the well-being that's always here and is all around us. But we can certainly disconnect from we can choose to disconnect from whether it's consciously or, or unconsciously mm-hmm. very true very true um i had recently um was uh listened to an audio book of helen keller are you f- familiar with who helen keller absolutely um, yeah i've read yeah, her she, i forget the title of her main book but i have read it right her autobiography is i believe the title is the story of my life which mm-hmm. is amazing, and it's uh, actually the entire audio book is free on YouTube. So I mm-hmm. I was so inspired after listening um, to it because this is a lady that um, her physical senses of sight and hearing she didn't have. So because of not having those physical senses, she was able to vibrationally feel the love of everything all around her just like you were talking it it, it is all love and we're so busy in the 
mundane things of life, uh, of our physical reality, we are, we're not tapping into spirit, which is real and which is around us and loving us 24-7. And what was so amazing is just listening to her, her audio book, you can hear it in her words how she was so in touch with vibrationally she was so in touch with what was real which was spirit and i just thought that was so beautiful i i had to um uh write a little um blog about it on my my website because it's just amazing how she was blessed she was blessed mm-hmm. by her disabilities she was blessed not to have sight or hearing and also also by not having sight and hearing, she was always in the now. She was always mm-hmm. present because her senses were wide away. Her, 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 every cell in her being was sensing what was around her because she didn't have the hearing and the sight, so she had to use her body, and her, every cell in her being was in the now. So she was living life in the now, fully present and experiencing it. Yeah, it was. It's so amazing, uh, her story. So I, I do encourage anyone who has the time to just take a listen to that audio book online. Um, but that mm-hmm. yes, and and when I, I I thought about your book, blessed with a brain tumor, she was she was blessed with, uh, and she wasn't born. Um, some people may not be aware she wasn't born um, sightless and deaf. She, she went deaf and lost her sight from an illness at the age of 19 months old. So uh, that, you know, her, her challenges in life were also a blessing, which is true for everybody. But I, I do hear what you're saying. Someone that is going through it right in this moment, someone who is just given a cancerous diagnosis, someone who... Um, child is is ill and may not survive the night. Um, someone, you know, all these things that people are experiencing in this now moment that they, you know, it's going to be hard for them to see it as a blessing. But when you awaken to the truth of who you are, you're able to see the blessing in every challenge because. Number one, we're not this physical experience. This is just one of many. Um, um, but you, you let I'll let you continue um, sharing more about your book and your work. Sure. So I think that it's always good to you know, continue on from what you're pointing to there to be starting wherever we're at and uh, you know, exactly. Finding the joy or the opportunity in uh, in a brain tumor, obviously that was built up to with other experience. And a lot of the work that I do with people is around how to develop that habitual tendency to to find the good, to find the opportunity, to find the gift. To when faced with a challenge, ask the question: What is the opportunity here? You know, if something yeah. works out that didn't didn't go the way you wanted it to ask uh, to, to go rather to ask the question what's what's the gift here and even to ask a really powerful question particularly with the big stuff if i had 
chosenness. If in life I had chosenness in order to learn a significant lesson, a powerful lesson, what is that lesson? Mm-hmm. What is that lesson? And so for me, the answer to that question with the diagnosis of the tumor was to receive love, to actually truly receive love, to allow love to find its way into every corner of my being, into all my thoughts, into all my pains, into all my emotions, into every single aspect of my experience. And that determining of the key lesson, that finding out what was most important to me, was really central, I believe, to my good health and to my well-being, you know, to really get clear that, as you were pointing to earlier, there is this love all around us and we have the capacity, the ability to choose to learn. And gratitude can be a way, particularly gratitude, you know, I use that phrase to point to those times where we might not want to be grateful for something, to actually lean in and offer a little thank you. And to yes. discover that even here, that love is present as well. Yes, very true, very true. And that's true um, with all of our challenges. And and the key lesson is love, is to to see the love. Um, even I, I say every action is an action of love because it's either an action of love or a cry for love. What we feel when we feel like we're being attacked that person just needs more love. So love is the answer to everything. And I know a lot of people are saying, now what, what does she mean love is the answer? It, 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 it's true. And when that resonates, because we are all love at our core, and when that resonates with you, that is the lesson. That's what we came here to experience is love and to be love. Um, so that's so 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 true, and being in the moment, being um, present, knowing that every moment is you're exactly where you're supposed to be in every moment. So, just for example, yesterday we didn't get to pre-record the show, and we both, you and I, both like, oh well, it wasn't meant to be, you know, for yesterday. It'll it'll still happen, but it'll happen in exactly the perfect moment for it to happen. There's no worries. Um, and it's just, it's a beautiful ah, and freeing way to live when you know that you're exactly where you're supposed to be in each and every moment. And what you need in that moment will appear in that moment. You don't have to worry or fret. And abundance is all around all of us. All the time, we just have to open our heart and our eyes and our minds to the abundance that is all around and the love that is all around us. So I love, one of the things I love about doing this show is I'm meeting people globally like yourself all over the world that understands this truth, uh, you know, of just, Living your life in its full, to its fullest in each and every moment and appreciating 
what life brings because that's that's why we're here and following your passion so there's there's so many um wonderful um tidbits of information that come from having conversations with people like yourself who are open and understand the truth of oneness and understand the truth of love. <laughs> that oneness yes. and love, I, I kind of equate. They're the same to me. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the quality of consciousness. Very very often in spiritual circles, the uh, non-dual realization is, is characterized as, as empty, as emptiness. And there's a profound truth in this. And yet, also, at once, it's full of love, of, of a deep care, of a, a deep compassion. And uh, this is uh, a wonderful thing to be able to share. As we were saying, this, this wants to be shared. This love yeah. wants to be shared. It has a natural movement to want to express and to find its way to to others. And at, the, at this time on the planet, there's certainly a, a great need, many people, many crises for us to meet this with love, to our, for us to meet this with peace, to take action, of course, as well, and yet mm-hmm. to come from a place of peace, to come from a place of, of unity, of love, of well-being in our own experience. Exactly. Yes, that that the um, first step in taking, for me, in taking um, action is finding that peace within um, mm-hmm. Because then you'll you'll operate from inspired action, which will inspire others. And I'm I'm finding that once once you have awakened to the truth of who you are, the first thing you want to do is share it with others. You know. So and um, sometimes not everyone um, everyone awakens differently. Individual. It's mm-hmm. an individual unique thing, and not everyone is ready when you you might be all excited and you try to present them with um, something totally new, and they may not be ready, but it's okay understanding that it's okay. They are where they're at. We're all on a spiritual journey, whether we know it or not. We're all spirit. We're all part of the divine. We're all on a spiritual journey, and wherever that person is, we have to understand, okay, they are where they're at, we can share um, with love, um, and what they receive, they receive, and, you know, we can't, we have to take the judgment out of it. I, I learned that, um, you know, in my walk that um, I can't judge if a, a person is is really, um, what you would say, attached to, to the illusion, attached to the ego mind, um, wants to, you know, react to everything with attack and, and fear, There's, I cannot judge them if that's where they're at. You know, we, I know of, we're all going to get to the place where we're awakened, and there is no time. So right now, they're where they're at, and all I, have, all I can do is give them more love. That is my only response. I can't judge them for where they're at. And that that's the beauty of oneness, too, I believe, is it takes the non-judge. You know that person is another aspect of you anyway. So if you're judging them, all you're doing is judging yourself. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, I tend to talk about other people, particularly people we experience a difficult one working with groups and so on is to very much look at them as as teachers, uh, p- particularly individuals that we're working with. If there's, for example, a boss or someone that we're encountering regularly and we're regularly experiencing uh, reactivity or judgment or being triggered, then here we have reason to be wonderfully grateful to that individual because they are giving us the opportunity to to deepen, to expand, to see where we are still in the mind or in reaction or in judgment. And mm-hmm. as you were pointing to, to recognize that this too is a, a, a an invitation for love and a chance for us to expand uh, into that uh, that great art of returning non-love with love. Yes, that is so 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 true. Because well, you say non-love, but it's really a cry for love. Um, they're they're really. Um, if I I say I say this all the time. The people that drive us crazy the most in our life are our greatest teachers. Um, they like you say they inspire us to take a look at. Uh, okay, why is what's inside of me that is reacting? To their behavior, um, so it, 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 they're they're our greatest teachers. And I recently wrote a list of about ten to fifteen people that I felt throughout my life had done something to hurt me. I, I felt in the past they did something to hurt me. So I wrote a list, and not all some of, some of them I actually physically got thank you cards and wrote them thank you just for. And in the thank you card, it just says thank you for being you. Yeah, no, I didn't go into anything deep or spiritual or, you know, because I just said, thank you for being you, thank you for being in my life, and I, I mailed off some of these thank you cards. And some people who I lost touch with, touch with, I just kind of sent them thank you, um, because I know wherever they are in the world, once I send it to them, they will receive it. So, but it's so true that the people that drive us crazy are our biggest teachers. And it's hard for people to under. A lot of people have trouble with that, but um, mm-hmm. I, I, I've awoken to that. That okay, I have to just love these people and thank them, love them and thank them for being who I I've asked them to be. I don't know if you're aware of a uh, um, children's book written by um, Neil Donald Walsh, "The Little Soul in the Sun," and I read this uh, book to my grandson all the time. Um, because it does uh, explain uh, that in spirit we ask these people to be who they we we're, remember we are writing this drama we call our life <laughs> we we cast it each and every person that we meet and come in contact with we casted that role for them we wrote the script for them so it and that's kind of what this this little children's book kind of reminds us of. Okay, we did this. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it, it, it's so good. It's all so wonderful. Um, please share with our listeners, um, you know, any upcoming um, events that you're going to be involved with. Um, I know that you spend half of your time in Australia and half of your time in the UK. But what? It, um, please share with our listeners what's coming up in your near future. Well, there's a couple of events I'm 
really looking forward to. One is a, a retreat I'm leading up in Scotland on an island called Arraid. It's this beautiful little island up in the Inner Hebrides. That's uh, May 7 to May 14. That's on, on my website. All my events are, are on willpie.com. And the other events for people that are listening in the U.S., if they want to uh, perhaps get to know me a bit on my YouTube channel um, and then consider there's two retreats I'm leading in July in East Tennessee, of all places. Um, oh. So in, in terms of retreats, they're the ones that I'm really looking forward to. They're sort of another wonderful location, well-being concept, which is it's not quite an island, but it's a bit of land that's almost entirely surrounded by the Powell River. And it's a really, really beautiful place to to hang out. And um, I always joke with people that we we, we do our work there together, uh, exploring and transforming and healing and awakening. But the land, as with Air Aid as well, seems to do much of the work. It seems to bring much of the energy and clarity for us to to use for our own awakening. So there's there's a couple of events that I'm looking forward to in the coming months. I've also recently launched uh, a uh, show called Awakening Dialogues, which is simply having conversations with uh, other teachers and and individuals who are familiar with non-dual consciousness or unity of consciousness, and um, people can get to know me a little bit by by that as well. That's uh, on, on YouTube and so on, of course. Wonderful, wonderful. Wow, this is, it's so amazing. Like I said, I I keep meeting new people in the non-dual oneness, um, basically movement, and there's so many uh, new things coming up. For I just actually started co-hosting. This week was the first week I did a a show. The title of the show is uh, The Truth of Oneness Within, and I'm co-hosting uh, this program with David Fishman on its Awakening Together Radio, which is actually a 24, uh, sorry, 22-hour radio station. Um, it's Awakening Together Radio, um, but just and you, your your uh, show is entitled Awakening. So it is it is truly all about awakening to who we truly are and sharing it. And globally, it is, uh, it's it's uh, such a huge movement right now, which before you know it, everyone on the planet <laughs> is going to be awake. And we're going to be in a whole new reality of peace and love. Um, and it's coming soon. It's coming much sooner than um, I think most of us realize, which is a wonderful thing. It can't come soon enough. <laughs> So true, so true. Um, so this, I can't believe we're we're um, actually the hour has gone by really, really quick, uh, and it's been a wonderful experience sharing all of this information with you and with the listeners. Um, was there something? Um, can you tell us a little bit about your upcoming book? You're working on your second book, and what is the title of that? It's called Radical. Gratitude, and this was going to be a chapter in Blessed with a Brain Tumor, because for me, this is really the essence of what I share and what I teach. And mm-hmm. uh, it got too big to be a chapter in in Blessed with a Brain Tumor, because that book's really about my story and there's a narrative. Right. And 
So this will be a whole book dedicated to gratitude, the practice of gratitude, how to use gratitude, how to work with gratitude for emotional integration, mm -hmm. how to work with gratitude for awakening and to uh, awake to oneness, to really have that experience of our own such that we know what we are. Um, and I've just started writing it in, in earnest. I've written essays on it here and there for many years, but um, just in the last few weeks, I've actually got down into that discipline of getting the book written, and I'm very much enjoying being in that writing discipline again on, on, a, on, a, on a big project, on a book. Wonderful. Can you share some um, tips with the listeners on maybe how to get in that mindset of gratitude, um, when they're, especially when they're going through really trying times in their lives, either financially or career-wise or health-wise, are losing a loved one, um, can, you, can you share with the listeners um, some tips that may may work for them, may help them? Well, certainly practice can be helpful, both in times of crisis and difficulty and leading up, building up resilience. But when we're faced with really difficult times, to take some time regularly each day to a, simply be in stillness, to rest, to meditate, to pray, whatever the individual is inclined towards. But the important thing I would suggest is to take that regular time, you know, a half hour each day or whatever it might be, to just give to yourself, being aware, relaxing, allowing things to slow down. And the practice of gratitude, of course, you've shared can be a wonderfully powerful experience, a wonderfully powerful way of lessening the intensity of suffering, lessening uh -huh. the intensity of difficult times, and uh, developing a, uh, a higher center of gravity, as it were. And also, of course, sometimes life is just really intense. And in those times, the, the is to simply open up fully to whatever is happening, whether it be grief or, or fear of the future, to really be present with that, to open up to our experience in this moment. So often we are moving away from what's happening in this moment. That's and this exactly is suffering. So. That, that, that's very true. Um, we don't want to, because um, I don't want people to think that we're saying suppress your feelings. If you're feeling sad and depressed, you know, pretend they, they're not there. No, that's not what you need. You can't push away. You're, you're feeling what you're feeling, and you have to really embrace it. Maybe even mm -hmm. embrace the pain. Embrace the sadness. Um, mm -hmm. Give it more love. That's what you want to mm -hmm. shine light on that feeling and like you said quieting just you know just quieting your mind and and loving loving yourself wherever you're at and whatever you're feeling but not pushing again against it i think um allowing the moment to be the moment and not fight against it is a big part of um opening up and i think i think i heard you say that in in one of your interviews about how um you know that's your first time you were were 
feeling really depressed and you opened up to it and and you um, discovered. Can you share that that with our listeners? Yeah, so what I've experienced on a few occasions in life when there have been times of intense emotion, intense pain, um, blockage in the in the, in the body, you know, we, those times when we feel really heavy, where the energy feels heavy, and there's usually a pattern of resistance around it. There's a part of the nervous system, a part of uh, the body, a part of the mind that's contracted that doesn't want to go there, doesn't want to experience what needs to be experienced. And it's often the not wanting to go there that's actually the problem. It's not the there, it's not the pain that needs to be felt that's so much of a problem. It's our unwillingness to go there. And that takes a lot of energy to push pain away, to not feel. It uh, takes a lot of energy. It's, it's a depressing experience to do this. And so what I've experienced is to really open up, particularly at those times of greatest resistance. And I have found that in the opening up, what wants to be felt, what wants to come through, is allowed to do so all the more quickly and all the more easily. So this developing, this practicing of an embracing, of an accepting of our experience to really welcome each and every, mo- each and every emotion, each and every feeling, whatever's showing up to the work, to I like the uh, uh, analogy or the symbol of of thinking of those little pains as a little child, thinking of those pains or what we're moving away from as a little child. And my experience has been consistently whenever uh, whenever there is an opening to what I have been contracted from, that is an experience of awakening, an experience of acceptance actually allows that which I was resisting to fall away, whereas when I want it to fall away, it doesn't. <laughs> it's a kind of paradox. Right. Yes, exactly. Because uh, what we push against uh, persists, and what we let you know, what we let be, you know, just let it be, embrace it. Um, it actually disappears. It, it dissipates. So that that is so true. So it, we don't want to fight against life. We don't want to fight against our emotions and what's going on, um, we do have to let them be. And, um, and you know, if you feel like crying, cry. You know, and don't don't feel bad about crying. You have to let that, those tears flow. You have to let, you have to let life be and embrace it. Um, for And we actually did come here to feel these things. You know, we came to feel. Um, if we didn't want to feel these things, we wouldn't wouldn't have come into this existence. So mm-hmm. this is so true. This is so true. Well, thank you so much, Will. I am so glad that we were able to make this connection, and we're definitely mm-hmm. going to stay in touch. Um, and I just I wish you a wonderful weekend and a beautiful Easter coming up next weekend. Uh, we're actually we're actually experiencing spring. 
here in the Poconos. I've lived here in uh, yeah in, <laughs> in the Poconos. We usually don't experience spring until May. Mm-hmm. I've lived here for 24 years, and usually this time of year we still have a, a foot of snow on the ground. But we actually are experiencing spring early May, I mean early March this year mm-hmm. for the first time. So this year is definitely uh, going to be an amazing year because things are happening that have never happened before. <laughs> so uh-huh. this is wonderful. But thank you so much for uh, being our guest on Awake to Oneness Radio. You and I will definitely stay in touch via via Facebook and email and um, hopefully be doing some wonderful things together. Um, I know you do the retreats. Um, One of the things I would love to do is bring more of those things to the Poconos with the the Kyle Foundation is a foundation I have started in my my son's memory. Kyle stands for Keep Your Light Expanding, and I want to bring more exciting events like that to the Poconos. Um, so we're definitely going to stay in touch. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much thank- for having me today, Caroline. I appreciate it very much. Thank you. Thank you. You have a great rest of your day and a wonderful weekend. You too. Okay. All right. Bye-bye.